Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking baseball with you here on the podcast. Well, there's going to be some Rockies baseball. There's going to be some Todd Helton because I'm talking Hall of Fame today, and I've been wondering whether or not I should do a pre-show and a post-show about this with the voting or the announcement, I should say, for the voting coming up here in a couple of days, and with Helton, I think, going to be very, very close one way or another. Now, if you're listening to this, I, I don't need to dive into the Helton case for you, right? I've got a top 10 reasons on YouTube. I've got articles written about it. We've done podcasts about it. You and, and you already know the case. If you're listening to this show at this point, you have probably got the Todd Helton case for the Hall of Fame down by heart, right? So we're not going to do too much more of that today. I do want to talk a little bit, though, and expand upon an article I wrote a few weeks ago about the unfortunate way in which the process has lost credibility over the last several years. The way I see these things being talked about on social media, the way I've had friends contacting me, uh, you know, texting me, DMing me, uh, people in my family asking me like, wait, why is this guy in the Hall of Fame and not that guy in the Hall of Fame? Like, I don't follow baseball super, super closely, but I thought Barry Bonds was a, a better player than David Ortiz, wasn't he? And didn't they both do drugs? So what are we talking about here? Right? And that's a very, very difficult question to answer because this process has become so difficult to explain, right? And it's unfortunate that there's such little transparency involved in it. So I wrote about all this on milehighsports.com. I hope people will go and read where I broke that down. What I wanted to do on today's show was a be a little be a little bit more proactive, right? Be a little more solutions oriented. Because I think again, and I'll, real quickly if you're going through it right, you know, you see these ballots coming out. Uh, the other day, uh, this is probably a week or two ago, <laughs> but the other day if you're starting to become an old man like me, uh there was a, a Philly writer who voted for just Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, and I think Adrian Beltre, right? And you go, come on now. Look, I, I don't know what's in a person's heart. I don't like speculating about intentions. And Lord knows I don't like being called a gigantic homer. And it happens a lot in this business. And I understand it. But how, you know, in the world... Do you not expect charges of homerism with all of the quality ball players on this ballot to vote for only one guy who, quite frankly, in Beltre should be a slam dunk, though there have been several ballots turned in without a vote for Beltre. So again, that just makes you wonder, okay, what is a Hall of Famer to you? Uh, but then you do have votes for some of these other players, Jimmy Rollins, who is very much a borderline guy. Jimmy Rollins, who is basically in the exact same war neighborhood. He's basically in a tie with Matt Holliday, who I believe has one public vote so far, but Jimmy Rollins is on like 20% of the ballots. And that just goes to show you even... And when I say even Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post, I'm not saying anything bad about him. What I know about him is that he is reluctant to engage in any kind of battling with other members of the media, or really any drama. He'd really rather just report on the team, quite frankly. 
And even he's out there going, you know, some of these ballots that are coming in from writers on the coasts look pretty transparently like they don't watch baseball in the middle of the country. You know, I'm going to make, of course, a lot more hay about Todd Helton, and we're going to do that out here. The disrespect to Joe Maurer right now is kind of baffling to me. Like, I, I think Joe Maurer is a very clear Hall of Famer. And there are a few of those, right? A lot of ballots coming in with two or three or four. Just before I hit record on this, uh, there was a ballot that was turned in that made me feel all kinds of weirdly emotional because they added Todd Helton and he needs that because he's been dropped. Now he's at plus six, minus five. So a net of plus one on public ballots. He fell 11 short last year. So he still needs to make up some ground on the private ballots. And considering that there are people who've been dropping him, it's really hard to know which way it's going to go. One of the drops that I saw, I think, made a little bit of sense because at least that person had still filled out 10 people on the ballot and they just thought that there were 10 people more qualified than Todd Helton. And while I don't necessarily agree, that is the only reason why it makes sense to drop somebody. But in a lot of these other cases, you've got drops with plenty of room for votes. And on this ballot, you had an ad for Todd Helton, which was great. And it's coming kind of late. So it's like, this is a really hopefully a, a good sign. But then the only other votes were for, and, and I didn't want to do too much of pointing out specific ballots. And I also want to say that I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think this is the worst ballot of this season, but I do think it's indicative of how difficult it can be to follow the logic of some of these voters. So like I said, he added Helton and he voted for Adrian Beltre. So far, so good. Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez. So, okay, no problems with the, the PED guys or the, you know, the quote cheating or whatever. So that's, that's at least consistent there with those two players. And then Omar Vizquel and nobody else. Now, again, without getting into like Joe Maurer deserves it, I think guys like Andrew Jones and Torrey Hunter are a little bit underrated because they were so fantastic defensively. Uh, you know, I, I think Chase Utley's case is also pretty clear, and I never liked Chase Utley at all. I just think he's also a pretty clear Hall of Famer. But if you're fine with Manny Ramirez and, and A-Rod doing their thing, and if you think Omar Vizquel is a Hall of Famer, then how are you not voting for Carlos Beltran? Who's, you know, like the only thing I can think of against him, because there's really nothing on his baseball reference page that's going to have you, you know, not voting for him, is some of the shady stuff with Houston and the, the sign-stealing scandal, right? Do you consider sign-stealing to be worse than PEDs. But again, this this gets me back to this point. Let's be proactive today. Let's talk about solutions to the problem. And the first one is, I, I think, of course, one of the most obvious, something a lot of people have talked about, uh, something my friend Matt was messaging me about today, which is just at the very least, there should be explanations for these votes. Uh, they don't, you know, always 
we again it's it's entirely subjective and we're probably not going to like a lot of this the explanations i will say there are a handful of voters who did do this and it doesn't always make it feel better sometimes you read you know that they just have a two sentence blurb on todd helton and it just says Good player, not great player. The splits are too extreme for me to get over the Coors effect that made him feel like he was better than he was. End of. But at least that's an explanation, right? Those are like words we can hold them to and say, you're wrong for this. But when you don't have anything at all, now especially, now I would say it would be nice if every ballot came with an explanation. But I think a very like first rule that we could all get behind is that if you have a change in your ballot from previous years, that should be explained, especially, especially if we want to make it the most minimal rule that we can. How about if you're going to drop somebody that you voted for before, you've got to explain that. I'm sorry, but I, unless again, like I said, you, you voted for 10 before and then your explanation can't be one sentence. I still think Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer. I just don't think he's quite, he's 11th on my list. And I voted for these 10 people because I think they're better. If people get in, I'll add him back next year, you know, whatever, then okay. But otherwise, it just, you. I see a lot of the same jokes, right? When you see these drops in, on like Twitter and stuff, you go under and you read the comments and people will be saying things like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, Helton had a really rough 2023, so you got to take away that vote, right? Or just, what is the reason to have already declared, I mean, you have signed your name on a piece of paper that says you believe that this person belongs in the Hall of Fame, and had they on the year prior gotten the required number of votes, they would be in the Hall of Fame, thanks in part to your vote and your signature affixed to the official notion that they ought to be in the Hall of Fame. And then the next year, you just say, well, no, not anymore. It, it is that one is the most mind-boggling to me. Like I said, those, those are the worst ballots to me, the ones that have these inexplicable drops where you've already said before that you believe that a player is Hall of Fame worthy, is Hall of Fame caliber, and unless somebody came to you with a really strong, like, analytical argument, again, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'll give you one example of a guy who I kind of thought, in my mind, was a Hall of Famer, was Omar Vizquel. And I know a lot of the really smart analytics people probably are laughing right now, going, not even, but... Uh, I don't think it's as simple as your war number is low, so you don't get in. But I was a little shocked the more I studied his numbers, you know, how much certain things were just kind of compiled. Like he doesn't have the war stuff. He, you know, was never a big hitter, but he was this tremendous defender. And so it is a bit more complicated. But in my mind, probably because he played for so long, right? He'd been like a ball player my entire life from the time I remember starting watching the game like well into when I was in like college and stuff. But yeah, sometimes you might go, okay, that guy feels like a Hall of Famer, I think based on all of this. And then someone comes up to you with a bunch of numbers and convinces you not, but then you should have a very strong argument, right? You should be able to write down. And that's the kind of 
oddness of this, and and this may be part one of a conversation because I only want to step. I already did my criticizing of the organization that does the voting, right? And again, you can go and and read that. But there's an irony in a group of writers who oftentimes make a big deal. Like the reason that, and, and this is the next thing that I want to talk about. So this is a good transition into our next, you know, how do we fix this? The reason that the people I want to talk about next aren't included, the broadcasters and, you know, players, GMs, uh, all, all the people inside of the game aren't included is because it, it is, and we oftentimes forget this, it's the Baseball Writers Association of America Hall of Fame. It's their Hall of Fame. It's the writers. They're the ones who choose, right? And they're very much about, you've got to be a writer to be in the organization. So you can cover 162 games a year as a broadcaster and be very much a journalist and be very much producing content and know the game inside and out. But if you aren't writing, you don't get into the organization and you don't end up getting a vote, right? And so there, there is a, a real central irony to me in that they make, and, and fair enough, it's right there in the name. And if you're going to say this is our thing, this is how we decide, and th this has always been how we've decided our membership, but then you would think they would want to demand that their writers write an explanation for what they're doing, right? The whole thing is about communicating. And so... You know, I, I think that's a little bit frustrating. So whether or not this next part means that, you know, the the difficult thing about that is you can't tell a private organization that they need to open up their doors to people who don't technically do what your organization is about, right? It, it's tough to square this circle where their Hall of Fame has basically just, it's just the Hall of Fame, right? It's synonymous with the Baseball Hall of Fame. As I mentioned in the article, you could try to set up something brand new and, and call it something else or something similar. Uh, you know, uh, good luck competing with the years and years of, of history and tradition of this one. Uh, though some of that history and tradition, you know, you learn about how long it took people like Buck O'Neill to get in and and a lot of the, the players from the Negro Leagues, like it took way too long for a lot of that stuff to get done. So, you know, maybe that could happen. It just, of course, seems like quite a long shot, right? It would be nice if at least for the award voting, some kind of exception could be made for people who, again, are very clearly knowledgeable of the game. At the end of the day, the most important thing ought to be that you've got knowledgeable voters who are actively covering the game. I'm jumping ahead of myself now too, but I'll just throw this one in now because they kind of go together. That's another part of the problem is a lot of these ballots that come in that are half empty or or seem totally to, to lack internal logic or be completely out of touch. One of them, and I tweeted out about this, like I just clicked on the guy's profile, the very first word and it was retired. Retired sports writer for, you know, the paper or whatever, and I, I went through and was reading. A lot of people said that he mostly did football over the years. I'm not going to name names. Those of you who know, know, but here in town we have that situation where you've got guys who mostly cover football with votes, 
and people who cover baseball every single day that don't have those votes. And that just starts to lose credibility in the eyes of the public. I'm seeing it every day all the time right now. And so I think if they don't want that to continue, if they want the hall to maintain its credibility, they're going to have to implement some changes or it will be inevitable that something else will have to rise up and say, okay, we're also going to be a museum that honors the history of baseball, but we're going to honor all of it. And we're going to include, you know, players who probably know a thing or two about the game of baseball and general managers and coaches and managers and Maybe owners, if you want, they get enough say, but you know what I mean? And all kinds of different journalists, especially in the modern age where, and look, I love the written word. I love writing articles and I, I don't think it's ever, ever, ever going away, but we're living in 2024 now where a lot of people with the deepest understanding of the game of baseball aren't necessarily writing articles on a daily basis. And so I do think it's going to be an inevitability that those people gather together and create something because I see every day fans crying out for something that makes a little bit more sense when it comes to celebrating the best players in the history of the game. So my final recommendation is this, because a lot of these potential solutions have been you know, thought of before. I certainly didn't create them for the first time. And the blockades to the solutions are well known, right? As I've said, you can't make a private organization do anything differently. It's going to have to be decided by them, right? But so what can, and as most of you know, I like to be proactive. I like to be able to say, what can you just the average normal person do? So I wanted to finish on that. The one thing in the broadest sense that I can say is keep the pressure on, you know, continue to write tweets, blog articles, write into your favorite journalists, uh, whoever, and continue to ask the questions and continue to put the pressure because I do think that ultimately that's something that the organization is going to have to respond to. If enough baseball fans come out and say either we don't appreciate this process or we want something new and different, I think that that can happen. So I want to encourage everyone out there who's even if... You know, and I think this is probably going to go out the morning that the Todd Helton announcement will be made. So I'll just say it this way. Even if Todd Helton gets in today, um, the, 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 the problems still persist, right? There are plenty of other players who haven't gotten their fair shake, who haven't gotten their argument heard. And so here's what I'm suggesting as a kind of unique new answer to this. I don't think I've seen this out there anywhere. I think we should create a game show uh, specifically because again, we can't get these folks to justify their ballots, right? You see these things with like four names picked out and they couldn't have anything less to do with each other. And the logic is so inconsistent, right? So I think we should create a game show where we have contestants, like average baseball fans, or you could even do this with like the incredibly smart analytic people out there who aren't everyday writers and so aren't in the organization and, and don't have a vote on anything, but are some of the smartest people covering the game today, right? And the way I'm imagining this is it's like a panel of three and everyone, and, and then we put up a terrible ballot, right? Here's here's a ballot that uh, they've only voted for Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, and Adrian Beltre, right? And now we have to do our best job to justify this 
from a baseball standpoint, understanding that the vast majority, that the, the, the premise is that they're not really justifiable, right? That they're absolutely absurd. And so trying to do it, and I think you could get a lot of comedy out of it too. I think it, it would be one thing to say like, okay, well, here's maybe a statistical uh, analysis or whatever. But I think the obvious funny part is just trying to come up with any way in which it makes any sense in the world uh, that these ballots would come in the way that they do, right? So I would love to see, since we aren't getting real explanations for them, why don't we create some fake ones? Why don't we come up with uh, the potential reasons why a person would vote that way and ascribe it? Obviously not to the actual person. A lot of times with these ballots, sometimes we do know the names of the people who are, who are putting forward these terrible ballots. Sometimes they do put their name right next to them, but they don't have to. As I've said before, all of this can take place in the dark, in the shadows, as it were. And a lot of it does. If they choose to remain anonymous and not make their ballot public, then they can do so. But for the ones that come out publicly, uh, I think it would be really fun to do some kind of game show. And maybe that's even something I'll do uh, next year or something. See if I can get some baseball people around and do a little panel conversation. We'll look at some terrible ballots and then we'll be like, because again, we all know how awful they are. And I think, again, the dogpiling is important. I think we should all dogpile them on Twitter and everywhere else. People should continue to write their articles and do all of that. But I think it would be funny if we just had a show where it's like, now, now, hold on a minute. Maybe the guy who voted for only Omar Vizquel and nobody else has got a point. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. It just, because uh, it's so nonsensical, you might as well go, uh, full tilt with it, right? You might as well run with it all the way in that direction into the absurd and try to act like, no, 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 no. It's the, it's the rest of us who think that things like wins above replacements or batting average or home runs or any of that should matter. Like, no, it's these other completely random ass things that we can come up with to, to justify this stuff. So that's my thought for now. I'll see if I can get something like that together in the future. But it really is frustrating to see, uh, you know, what a kind of joke the process has become. And I think there's a lot of ways in which it can be fixed. Unfortunately, I don't see too many beyond just the long haul of continuing to put pressure on and, and hoping that some changes are made. But that's all we've got is hope. Hope that they make this process better. Hope that that process leads to, again, I think it's going to, it's close. It's 50-50 for what's going to happen, I'll say today, uh, with uh, Todd Helton. But either way, this needs to be made better or more and more baseball fans are going to lose faith. So let me know what you think of the solutions. If you've got some creative ideas for how to justify some of these unjustifiable ballots and hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I appreciate you all for following along and listening to the podcast here on the Mile High Spot Sports Podcast Network. I know that you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time. I will see you at the ballpark.